Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today's message is called Mirror, Mirror. Just like in Snow White, Mirror, Mirror on that wall. Who do you see? Do you see yourself as a mother or a father, a daughter or a son, a best friend, a hard worker? Or perhaps you see an overworked, underpaid, underappreciated person of a miserable world. When we look in the mirror, we should see ourselves as God sees us. He created us in His image, in His likeness, in all of His promises are yes and amen. Pastor Duane is going to be teaching us today what we should be seeing in that mirror. Let's jump right in. So today, I want to share a message with you I've entitled Mirror, Mirror. And we want to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Now, the backdrop on this is Moses has gone up on Mount Sinai, and he's there with God for 40 days. And he, when he comes down, you remember he's got the, the, the Ten Commandments, he's got the tablets. But when he comes down, his face is shining. He's been in God's presence, and his face is literally shining. And so he puts a veil on his face. Now, the reason that he put the veil on, by the way, is not so that people wouldn't see his face shine. The Bible tells us that he put the veil on, told us in the New Testament, so that they wouldn't see as the brilliance or the shining disappeared. The longer time he spent away from God, the less shining there was. And so he put the veil on so they would not see that shining disappear. But 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled faces, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The, the Message Bible says it like this. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Now, now notice it talks about in a mirror. The mirror that it's talking about is God's word. And as we are looking into the word, we see who we are supposed to be. We see literally the real person that we are when we look in the word of God. You know, it's in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creature or a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the truth is, when you come to Christ, you need God to introduce you to yourself because you do not know who you are, because you are a new creature a new creation, one translation actually says a new species of being that was not before. So you're new, but you still are affected so much by the old because you become new in your spirit, in your heart, and your mind is still messed up. James chapter one, he says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. 
If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But if we look into the perfect law of liberty, the mirror of God's word, and continue in it, you're not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Now, the Bible tells us that when we look into the mirror of the word, we're transformed. We're changed. James says we're blessed. Now, God is working on our beliefs about ourselves. Because when we believe wrong things about ourselves, we keep living way below the standard that God has for us. So you get up and you go to that mirror in the morning and you see and you make adjustments. But in life, so often, we're looking at a mirror of what society tells us, our culture tells us, our peers, our past, our guilt, our shame, our failure. We're looking at a mirror, but it's not the mirror of God's word. You have to divine, define yourself the way that God sees you. And he sees you as a new creature in Christ. When he looks at you, he says, all of the promises of God belong to you. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1 in verse 10, it says, for all the promises in him are yes and amen. You are accepted, the Bible says, in the beloved. God accepts you. In fact, that word that's used there in the Greek, it's the same word that the angels said to Mary when he says you're highly favored. You are favored by God. I think most of us re remember the, the little story about Snow White and the seven dwarfs. The wicked queen would go in front of the mirror and she would say to the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Well, literally what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to daily go to the mirror of God's word and find out who we are. It's kind of like Bible, Bible in my hands. Who really am I? What belongs to me? What can I do? But we're so often looking at the mirror of failure and rejection and guilt in our past, our emotions, how many likes we have on social media, our popularity or our, 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 our position, uh, how skinny we are or skinny not we are, you know. We're, we're, we're looking, but we're not looking at the mirror of God's word. One of the mirrors that we so often look into is the mirror of failure or rejection. And that basically says this, I am what I did. My marriage failed. I made wrong choices. I was addicted. There was lust. There was this problem. There was that. And listen, you did what they say that you did, but you're not who they say that you are. You may have done something, but that's not who you are. I remember when our kids were little and uh, they would do wrong things. Some of you, have, you know, you don't need to teach your kids to do wrong. No. And, and we would say to them, that's what you did, but that's not who you are. What you did was wrong, but you're not a bad kid. You're a good kid. 
And so often what we do is we look at what we've done and we let people tell us that's who you are. But the Bible says you're a new creature in Christ. You are redeemed. You're blood bought. You're justified. You're sanctified. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're filled with the spirit of God and you are an ambassador of heaven. The world will tell you, no, you've been divorced. You've made wrong choices. You're not good with money. Man, your your relationships have failed. You're, You're terrible at your job. You did this, you did that. But don't grab hold of what you did. The apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians 3. He said, I don't count myself to have apprehended or to have arrived. You know, whenever we think that we've arrived, we're in trouble. He said, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, I reach forward to those things that are ahead. He's saying, I forget the past because I may have done those things, but that's not who I am. God talks to us literally from our destiny. God doesn't look at you right where you are and say, oh, that's what you've done and you're this and you're that and you're the next thing. No, God looks at your destiny. He sees this is the calling that I have on their life. He looks at our potential. And when we're looking at the past, I was thinking about it this week and and this was probably 30 years ago. Pastor Bernie was there, a couple of the other pastors and myself. It It was a children's camp and we went up to the camp And we were just kind of spending some time encouraging some of the workers and finding out how things were going. And it was on a lake. And uh, they had a couple of rowboats. And and, uh, we had brought along a couple fishing poles. And so uh, myself and three other pastors, two in each boat, we went out. And and, uh, we went fishing for a little bit on the other side of the lake. And it was time to uh, get back in. And so uh, we said, let's race. And so... I was on the, the uh, oars, and so like, boom, and we took off. And the other guys, they're just, they're just going and going and going. And I know I'm in better shape, and I'm working harder. And they are getting farther behind and farther behind. And I'm like, what's wrong? And I look out the back, and the anchor's out. <laughs> you know, when, when, listen, when, when you let your past dictate how you see yourself, your failures and your problems, it's like you're trying to move ahead with an anchor out. And, and, and it's so hard to make any progress. I think a great example of this is the children of Israel have literally turned away from God and their enemies are oppressing them. And, and finally, they turn back to God. And the, the Bible tells us, this is in Judges chapter six. It tells us that there is a man by the name of Gideon and he's uh, got a little bit of, of wheat, and he's threshing this wheat in a wine press. Now, that is not where you thresh wheat. Uh, he's doing it because he can hide. It, 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 I don't know what, I guess the best example might be you taking a bath in a Volkswagen. How many know that's not the right place? It, but, but he's trying to hide. And the angel of the Lord appears to him. And, and by the way, Uh, when the Bible in the Old Testament says the angel of the Lord, it's a Christophany. This is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. And the angel said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now he's probably looking around like, who are you talking to? Because the one thing I'm not 
is a mighty man of valor. I'm a scaredy cat. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our fathers told us about? Didn't the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, that is his perspective, but it is not the right perspective. The truth is God is with them and God is about to deliver them, right? So God says to him, Jesus said to him, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Haven't I sent you? God is not looking at his past. He's not really even looking at his condition because he doesn't believe in himself. But the truth is that God believes in him. And here's the truth. You do not see things the way they are. You see things the way you are. When Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land, they passed through the land and came back to give a report. And the Bible says that 10 of them stood up and said, we're not able to go up against that people because they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel an evil report about the land which they had passed through. Their 33rd verse says, they said, there we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You see, the way they saw it was they didn't have a chance. The truth is, when the two spies went to Jericho, this was the report that they heard. Everyone in the land, their heart has melted. They're afraid, and they know that God has given you the land. But because of how they saw themselves, they believed others saw them the same way. It was God was calling them to their potential. You know, it's in Hebrews eleven six where it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I, I was trying to get a date on this, and I, I think it was 1989, maybe 1990. We had a guest speaker by the name of Peter Daniels. Peter Daniels was from Australia, and he tells the story. I, I believe he was seven years old. I re reread his book this past week just to get all the, the facts right. But he's in grade school, and his teacher literally shouted at him one day and said, Peter Daniels, you are a bad, bad boy, and you will never amount to anything. He said, for some reason, he said, it just stuck with him, and he believed it. And he said, by the time he was 26 years old, he said he was illiterate in a dead-end job that he hated, and that was all he could ever see. He went to a Billy Graham crusade, 26 years old, and he gets saved. And when he gets saved, he starts reading the Bible. Now, how many of you know the Bible? When you begin to read the Bible and believe the Bible, it will reverse the curse. It will reverse the curse. He got a hold of a Bible and began to teach himself how to read with that Bible. Then he got a hold of a dictionary and went through the entire dictionary, memorizing words. And uh, to make a, a very long story short, he ended up with a, a business empire 
mainly in real estate. Uh, the, the last time that I had talked to him, he was actually negotiating to buy the largest farm in Australia, which, by the way, is the size of the state of Texas. Robert Schuller made this statement about him. He's on Robert Schuller's board. Robert Schuller said he is the best public speaker in the world. And he was incredible in his delivery. But the words of Mrs. Phillips, Peter Daniels, you are a bad, bad boy. And you will not amount to anything. The Bible says there is that speaks like the piercing of a sword. People can say words to you that just go down in and pierce your heart. It says, but the tongue of the wise brings health, promotes health. And you know what the Bible does? When you get in the Bible, it promotes your health, your spiritual health, your mental health. Another mirror that we often look at is inferiority. Uh, when, when I went to school, I, I was... I was in the, the, the 10% of the class that made the 90% on top possible. <laughs> if I got a C, I was like, oh my goodness, I got a C. I had no confidence. And like many people, but I think to even a greater degree, my number one fear was being in front of other people, was public speaking. I got saved. Went to Bible college, met Jeannie. We got married. Went, decided to go to Mexico to help a missionary. Now, the one thing that I knew was that I would not speak in public. I knew that. But we just went to help. And so I cut the grass. I opened the doors. I cleaned everything, set up for the services. And uh, when that missionary left and literally gave me the keys to the building and the ministry, I was forced to begin to speak. But, but literally, I was just petrified. After a couple of years, we moved out to a village. And the pastor there, I had no idea he would do this. Uh, I preached for him uh, I'm gonna say, over a thousand times. I never heard him preach once. Not one time. If I was there, he never told me I was going to preach. Not one time. I preach 20 times a week. Every place we go, we have multiple services during the day. And in my mind, I'm just like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not good enough. I don't qualify to do this. And he just kept on believing in me and believing in me and believing in me and putting me up and putting me up and putting me up. You know, to find out that something that you believe is not true can be very devastating. But that literally is what the Bible will, will have us do. We're going to find out that there are things we believe about ourselves that are not true. To find out what something really is, you have to find the one that invented it, the one that created it. And God is our creator. And to find out our true potential, that's where we have to go. We have to go to God. We can live out our God-given potential with his help. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? 
And to whom is the arm of the Lord been revealed? Do you know when you believe what God says about you, his arm, his strength, his ability will be revealed. But when you don't believe what God says about you, in fact, Isaiah 53, which is the chapter on redemption, that's how it starts out. Who has believed a report? Because so often we don't believe that report. You know, in James chapter one, it says that we need to look intently, look intently into that perfect law of liberty, look intently into that mirror of God's word. Now, here's the truth. Coming to church is, is the, the, the proper, the right thing to do. And it gets us moving in the right direction, but it is not enough on its own. It's not enough. In Romans chapter four, verse 21, it says this about Abraham and being fully persuaded that he that had promised was also able to perform it. You know, it's not enough to know something. You've got to be fully persuaded that that promise of God is true and that it's true for you and it's true for you now. And you don't get fully persuaded just coming to church. Now, I want to even take another step. Uh, for, for all of my Christian life, except for one year, I read between 10 and 20 chapters of the Bible. There was one year that I thought, well, I'm going to do it different, and I'm going to do two Old Testament, I'm going to do two Psalms and Proverbs, and I'm going to do two New Testament. And so I only did six for one, one year in my Christian life. But all the other time, it was between 10 and 20 chapters. But you know what? Just reading 10 to 20 chapters is not enough. Because it's not doing what the Bible tells you to do. You see, the Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, literally, when it's talking about it not departing from your mouth, it's talking about our speaking and what's in agreement with God. But it's also talking about literally confessing the word of God. In Philemon, in the New Testament, little book, one chapter, verse six, says that the communication of your faith may become effectual. So how does your faith become effectual? By the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ. So, so right now, I'm going to, uh, I'm not done by any stretch of the imagination, but I want to show you one of the things that I do daily to help get the word down on the inside. And I'm just going to have you repeat some of my confessions of the word of God. First one is found in Psalms 115. It said, the Lord will bless those who fear him. So I want you to repeat that. The Lord will bless those who fear him, both small and great. May the Lord give me increase more and more. Me and my children, may we be blessed by the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. God is speaking to me now, saying, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He's watching over his word to perform it. He is the Lord who heals me. He's healing me now. 
His word contains the ability to produce what it says. He's the Lord that heals me. His word is full of healing power. My body is the temple of the Lord that heals me. And he's bigger than sickness and Satan. Thank you, Father, because you're my healer and you're healing me now. Satan, you can't bind me with sickness. I've been delivered from your kingdom and translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. Sickness is ungodly. Sickness is of the devil. Satan, you can't put that on me. Who do you think you are? You're a defeated foe. Jesus stripped you of your authority. You can't do this to me. I resist you in Jesus' name. I am delivered. I'm free. I'm loosed. No longer fettered. My bondage is at an end. Sickness is the power of the devil. Jesus gave me authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. I trample on sickness. I tread every evil underfoot. Jesus gave me authority over sickness. Sickness, I tell you, get out. You have no right to dominate me. Get out of my body in Jesus' name. Sickness and disease, you're under my feet. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Jesus has given me the keys of the kingdom. And I have the right, the privilege, the responsibility to exercise authority as a believer in Christ. I release my authority as a believer with words of faith. I declare. Now, whatever sickness is trying to attack you, put its name in there. Arthritis, cancer, whatever liver problems, whatever it is, put its name there. I declare that you're bound. I declare the door to divine healing and health is open. It's God's will for me to be well. He says yes to my health and healing. I declare yes to the will of heaven. And I say no to all Jesus redeemed me from. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. We need to read it. We need to say what God says. But we need to confess regularly with the word of God. How many of you can feel something on the inside when you're beginning to make those confessions? You can feel it. And it takes something to get your mind fully persuaded. To be fully persuaded. Because the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to be telling you something else. But when we keep that word in our mouth, and the Bible says to meditate on it day and night. So you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. You're confessing it. They looked intently. If you think you have it all, but you don't know God who created you, do you know you're just going to be miserable? And he made you with a destiny in mind. We look at Moses. Let me just close with this. You know, he's, he's born to, to uh, Hebrew parents in a time when they were told they had to kill every male child. His parents put him in a basket. And they put him in the, the Nile River and the Pharaoh's daughter comes down and rescues him. 
and he grows up, but he's confused. He's, he's struggling with his identity. And, and by the way, when you struggle with your identity, you do dumb stuff. Some people call it a midlife crisis, but you do dumb stuff. And he's struggling with his identity. He's been brought up as an Egyptian, but he knows really he's a Hebrew. He sees their oppression. His heart goes out to him and he does something radical. What does he do? He kills an Egyptian. And then it's found out and he has to run and he runs out and he's literally hiding on the backside of a desert. Now he's a shepherd brought up as a, as an Egyptian knows that he's really a Hebrew, an escaped convict, a criminal. And God shows up in that burning bush and talks to him and says, I'm sending you to deliver my people. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, when there's an identity crisis, it always comes up. Who am I? Let me say it again. You're not what you've done. You may have done it, but that's not who you are. You are who God says that you are. That's who you are. And God's answer, <laughs> by the way, is I've sent you. I'll be with you. That's God's answer. I will be with you. Moses was defining his life by his mistakes. But God said, I'm going to be with you. You and I, we've made mistakes. But God says, I am with you. I want you to just say this out loud with me and with the Apostle Paul. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul had been a persecutor. He'd been a murderer. He says, but by God's grace, God's with me. And by his grace, I am who I am. And then he said to God, who are you? He literally said to God, what's your name? And I love what God said. God said, I am that I am. He said, you cannot put me in a box. But some people have actually translated this to say, I will be whatever I need to be. He revealed himself in the Old Testament as El Shaddai, literally the God that is more than enough, a miracle working God. We just confessed it. May you be blessed by the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You won't think about this. Our God is the God who made the heavens. They tell us there are a hundred million galaxies, each one with billions of stars, a thousand times the size of this earth. That's the God that says, I'll bless you. That's the God who said, I will be with you. I, I heard about a seven-year-old girl and uh, she's in uh, her class at school and for the art project, the teacher just said, draw whatever you want. And she drew a picture of Jonah in the well. And the teacher came up and, and said, what? What's that? She said, that's Jonah in the well. And the teacher said, well, you can't draw that. That can't ever happen. And uh, she said, well, I, I think it will. I think it did. It did happen. And the teacher said, no, that can't happen. Well, the girl said, when I get to heaven, well, I'll ask Jonah. And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah's not there? And the little girl said, well, then you ask him. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Last thought for the day here. <laughs> Moses, well, what if they don't believe? What if they don't receive me? Here's the interesting thing. 
Now, the Bible tells us that the fear of man works a snare. But the truth is this. You and I really are supposed to live our life to please just one. Just one. And that's God. That is God. And when Moses finally got a hold of that, everything changed. And then Moses, of course, said, you know, I've never been, I love this. I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I mean, this is a conversation that's going on. He says, look, I'm not eloquent, and talking to you has not changed anything. He says, Bake, I've never done this before. It's new, it's different, it's bigger. No, but the truth is this, that when you and I look into the mirror of God's word, we will find out who we are, what we can do, what we have. And as we look into the mirror of God's word, everything that God puts in our hearts to do, if God puts it in your heart, he's with you and he will enable you to do it. See, I want to thank you for being with us today, but I want to ask you a question. I want to ask if you're right with God. Some of you, you're away from the Lord. At one time, you lived for him. Others, you don't know where you stand with God. But the Bible says this. It says, know that you have everlasting life. We're not supposed to die and find out if we're right with God. We're supposed to know today, right now, that you're forgiven and right with God. And if you don't know, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Or you're away from God and you say, I want to get right with God. I want you to repeat these words with me. Just say, from your heart, just say this, say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. Jesus is my King. Jesus is my Lord. I thank you I'm forgiven, a part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, you really are right with God. You're forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. Now, I wrote a book, and I want you to have a free copy of that book. You can download that book. Information is right there on your screen. Or you can contact us, and we'll get you a hard copy. We love you, and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. It's also available on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. In today's message, Pastor led you in a confession. We believe that when you confess God's Word over your life daily and you begin to meditate on it, it will change your life. To find today's confession and others like it, download our app. You can listen to them daily. The words are also right there so you can read along or write them on your mirror. Confessions are right there on the home screen. You can download the Walking by Faith app in your favorite app store. Walking by Faith is reaching the world with the truth of God's Word on and off the air. We would love for you to partner with us to help spread the gospel. And today, if you give a gift of $15 or more, you will receive a copy of Pastor Duane's book, Who You Are in Christ. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv give to choose the giving option that's right for you. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBF-TV. Be sure to download our app where you can listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, find resources, and much more. 
I pray you begin to look in the mirror a little differently at yourself. Remember, you are a creation of the one true king. We'll see you next time.